Welcome back to the podcast, guys. So I am joined again by Lee, which is an absolute pleasure. As always, you can see his impeccable green screen setup. Behind him, the new logo, the new colors, and the new affiliation as well, which is exactly why we're here today and exactly why I've got him back on the podcast and exactly what we're going to talk about. So, Lee, I think, first of all, like we've obviously done podcasts together in the past. Yes. I think listeners are very much aware of you, yourself. So could you just let the listeners know how you are, how are things going and how the last sort of like five, six months since the UK international finals been for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, thanks. Thanks for having me back on. Um, I haven't, uh, like, like a lot of people, I suppose, have found the lockdown a little bit harder over the winter when there's a little bit less to do and it's cold and dark and depressing. Um I know a lot of people who struggled with that, and I was no exception. Work's been incredibly busy for me by nature of the, the business that I'm in. Um, and I haven't spoken to many people for, for quite a long time. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I throw up one Instagram post and I get four podcast invites in a day. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you to be the first one that I have, mate, because obviously we've got a history of doing the podcasts and, and we've, uh, we've worked really well with each other before. And I wanted you to be the first person that we spoke to about what's been going on. Um, how have you been? Yeah, I've been I've been good, mate. And I'm definitely excited to sort of get into this episode today and discuss the the changes that have happened. I think um, that people are very much interested in what the future holds for not just the UK, the FBA, but the sport in general, and especially at the pro level. I think people are very excited to see, especially from from my side. I'm excited to see new new rivalries, new competitions, yeah, big time. People stepping on stage that we haven't been able to put together in the past. Yeah. And I, I think you know, from the people and the discussions that I've had briefly online over the last couple of days, it's really been positive, and it's really been a case of of people saying, "Oh, what, you know, what does this mean for this competitor? Can they compete against him now? Can can he compete against him?" You know, I think people are feeling quite positive, but equally, there's definitely some people that have got questions. And people want to know sort of why and how and, and what's going to change, you know, especially across the, the UK sort of scene. So we're going to definitely get stuck into that. So first of all, I think it's probably a good place to start uh, in the sense of why now, what's happening with this federation now that we've noticed this opportunity to, to branch into a new affiliation and what, what does that that really mean in terms of affiliating with another Fed? Let's start with that. In fact, what does it mean to be affiliated with another Fed? I think let's break that down first and foremost. Okay, so so to affiliate with with another governing body within the sport, um, really, I mean, it, I'll I'll jump back. I'll, I'll jump back a sort of couple of paragraphs before that, if I can. Sure. Um, there were a number of reasons why we did what we did, um, but I just want to assure everybody that the UK, the FBA, we've been around for 10 years now. And the day that I put up the Facebook page to say that we were a thing and you know we, we, were, we were going to start running, everybody had questions and some people had doubts and some people thought, oh, what's this new thing? And, and I'm very proud of the fact that for the 10 years that we've been around, we've, we've made a lot of decisions and not every decision we've made has pleased every single person who's been on the receiving end of it. But I don't think majoritively anybody could genuinely say that we've, we've put a single foot wrong for the last 10 years. We've, we've been very member driven, very athlete driven. Um, and we, we continue to be so. And every decision we've ever made has been for the good of our members here in the UK. Um, something that we need to really, really impress on people is that 75% of our members finish their season after the last qualifier. Only 25% of our members make it to the finals on a typical year. And in terms of percentage of our members, only 5% of our members compete internationally. And it's really important to focus on that because the importance of the 75% of people who don't make it to the finals is just as great, if not greater, than the 5% that go all the way and get on a plane and go abroad. 
and the decisions that we've we've made recently in recent weeks have been focused on the majority of our members. And for our members in the UK, the, the, the decision to switch governing bodies has been because some changes needed to happen. Um, some things that that we were we were being asked to do, you know, you know let, let's be honest, let's get the elephant out of the room. If our relationship with our, with our old sanctioning body was perfect, we wouldn't have left. Nobody is perfect. There are imperfections in every business, every organisation. We're not. I'm not flaming anybody. I'm not. I'm not criticising anybody. But if that relationship was perfect, we would. We wouldn't have left. Um, and there were a lot of things that we were being faced with doing that would have made the experience for the blue collar athlete, the 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 ninety five percenter. You know, the, the average athlete that sees the whole season through with us on, on UK soil, we'd have made their experience probably more long-winded, more stressful, more expensive, without any extra benefit for them. Um, so that that they weren't decisions that we could make. We 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 had to do what was best for the vast majority of the members. And for the vast majority of our members, what we need is a good efficient fair properly judged and relatively well presented event for them to compete in in the uk with reliable trustworthy and sufficient quality and quantity of drug testing to make sure that they're competing on that level playing field we've always achieved that we've never not achieved that we've never been justifiably criticized as not having done that and we will continue to do that so for 95% of the members of the association, the decision has one or two small changes that will, that will affect them. And we'll come on to those in a little while. Um, in terms of, sorry, just reaching for my drink. Um, in terms of the affiliation to the international governing body, again, bearing in mind that it, it only affects 5% of our members, a very important 5%, but no more important than the other 95. Um, and the 5% of the people that it affects need certain things from us. They need a, a quantity and a standard of international events to go to, which are accessible, reliable, and of a good enough quality to justify us being there. Although... I, I will always hold dear the fact that, you know, professional status is not the be-all and end-all of bodybuilding. And again, we'll come on to that in a little while. Um, there needs to be an established, worthwhile pro league for people to progress onto. And they're the things that we need for those extra 5% of our, those final 5% of our athletes. And again, the move has, has satisfied that as well, because we're, we're now faced with options of, an, an entire network of contests throughout Europe. And, and you'll know yourself, last season, there was no leave in Europe. Yeah. You know, I don't mean in a Brexit sense. I mean, in a getting on a plane and going to compete somewhere sense. Um, you know, we went out to Italy last year and, and you you witnessed this firsthand. You, you are the IMBA European champion. And people will probably put two and two together and actually get four now and, and, and understand that, you know, the reason we went to that contest is because we wanted to see it. We wanted to see it with our own eyes. We wanted to see if it was any good. We wanted to see if it was well run. We wanted to see if people were getting yanked off into a room backstage and being, you know, robustly drug tested. And, and the answer to those questions was yes to all of them. We had a great experience. We had a great contest. You know, Fortune favoured our, our little team of one and we came home with the European champion. We were treated very well by our hosts. And we've got a whole network of contests across Europe where we can do that now, as well as when the times allow it, stepping on, on, on the big aeroplane, going across to the States and competing in the Natural Olympia, which is only one of the contests that they've got in the States. They have you know, the World Cup, the Universe. Um, we have the Worlds and the Europeans here, here in Europe, uh, the other big Grand Prix events. So... In terms of affiliation, we're always going to look for somewhere where there is a lot of opportunity. And, and, and that was one of the reasons why we, we made the change. Okay, fantastic. I think that definitely covered 
everything people wanted to know from a perspective of, you know, the basic description of, of, of why. I think that's what we need to go into on that, on that front. Now, yeah. you've kind of suggested it already, but in terms of the UK DFBA shows themselves that will be run throughout the year, the qualifiers, what, what are they going to look like? So I'm, I'm sure that people are going to think, you know, will they change? Will all the classes change? Will the judges change? Will the rewards change? You know, what, what are they going to look like? What, what's going to change on, on our soil? Absolutely the bare minimum will change. Our contests will still look and feel like the contests they've always been. Um, there will be a few movements in terms of the competition classes that we're offering because we're switching to a sanctioned body that offers slightly different classes. And I'll run through those in a second. Um, in terms of the way the contests are run and judged, the judging criteria across the sport are very similar. A bodybuilder is still a bodybuilder. A, a figure competitor is still a figure competitor and nobody's criteria is really that different if i'm honest across the sport whether whether it's across the sanctioned bodies in the drug tested side of the sport or across the sanctioned bodies in 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 the non-tested the open side of the sport everybody's criteria is are, are very similar so nobody's gonna be finding this strange new world of bodybuilding that they've, they've never seen before um the contests are going to be run like I say, they're focused on our members. They're focused on 100% of our members, but not only just for the benefit of the 5% that are lucky enough to get on a plane and be sponsored to go and compete abroad. Um, so in terms of that, not a lot of changes. There are some changes to the classes. Uh, do you want me to bounce through those now? Because, again, they're not massively deep. Um, bodybuilding for the open men is now, done, is now going to be done in height classes. Instead of three weight divisions, well, three plus weight divisions as we split the shows, um, we're now going to go to height divisions. Um, I love this idea. I've been a big fan of it. And people that have been watching my stuff and talking, you know, watching the podcast, seeing the uh, the Instagram posts of, of a year or so ago. Um, one of the big bugbears I've had with the sport of bodybuilding in recent times is that we've kind of become we've, we've moved away from being bodybuilders and we've gone towards being body dismantlers and and there have been a number of occasions when i've seen people struggle to make a weight cut off and actually look worse to do it and you you know people who've done that you know you know people who've done that they've yeah. they've over dieted they've over dehydrated they haven't pulled things back in time because they're focused on making a weight uh, now we're going to compete by height. You know, there'll be a short class, a medium class and a tall class. And I'm not trying to encourage people not to get in shape and I never have done, but we're certainly taking away that impetus for forcing people to meet a number on the scale, which I don't think is a particularly healthy thing when the name of the sport is bodybuilding. We're supposed to be building the body. So that's, that's, that's the biggie for the open men is the height classes. Um, There'll be a slight tweak in a couple of the poses in the, the physique and bikini divisions um, because they just are under the new rules. And, and I'm going to rewrite the rules to mirror everything we need to do. Everything's going to be on the website by the 12th of April when the entry's open. So there'll, there'll be no secrets, no surprises here. Those are the, those athletes who choose to read the rules anyway. And as we've discussed, that's, that's a percentage, not, not all of them. Um, they'll be able to see what's required of them posing-wise. Um, we previously ran four women's disciplines within, within the organisation, uh, and we're still going to, but there'll be a change to one of them. Uh, the class that was previously called Fit Body, because that was obviously that's a trademarked class name that belonged to our old sanctioning body, that's now called Ladies Physique. That's what I thought, yeah. That's pretty much it. The criteria is the same. The way we want the ladies to look is exactly the same. One or two of the poses are hit slightly differently. Again, they'll be on the website. And there are some incredible resources. If you go to the IMB Europe website, if you go to the, uh, the IMBA Global Europe website, they've got those poses demonstrated in photographic form on there. Um, so 
that's that. And and there'll be the, the last thing that there's going to be a slight tweak on is there'll be a very slight tweak on the age limit for juniors. Currently in junior competition, we allow people to compete up until the age of 23 years. So if you're 23, you're a junior. Previously, that meant that somebody that was 24 a month after our finals was still a junior. That won't be the case anymore. To compete as a junior, you have to be 22 at the start of the year. If you turn 23 midpoint and midway through the year, if you turn 23 on January the 2nd, not a problem. But you have to be 22 when the clock strikes midnight on, uh, on New Year's Day. So it'll make the junior age limit different by a few months. But I've, again, perfectly reasonable and fair thing to do. I always felt that people that were just about to hit 24 were too old to be juniors, if I'm honest. Um, and in terms of classes wise, that's, that's your lot. That's all we're changing. Um, IMBA Global do have other disciplines, sports modeling, some, you know, some more sort of fitness glamour classes. We're not adopting any of those. Um, we aren't adopting any of those. They also run classic bodybuilding, classic physique for men. Um, again, at this point in time, we're not adopting that division. We, we thought long and hard about it, especially when we considered how height classes would affect splits in classes as opposed to weights. But I've gone through the data of the last couple of years of our competitions and pretty much with one or two exceptions, pretty much anybody that was competing as a lightweight previously is going to be in the short class. Anybody that was middleweight, the two middle divisions, they'll be medium class. And conversely, the heavier guys will be in the tall class. So we're, we're not going to adopt classic physique at the moment. Um, I think the, the clincher to this was when I had a conversation with Mark Oakes about it. You know, he said if, if somebody with a great physique rolls in with a shape like Frank Zane or Bob Paris, they're probably going to win the bodybuilding anyway. Um, because it, you can't ignore physiques that are put together like that. Uh-huh. And the body weight differential, sort of in, you know, in your open contests, in your, you know, your NPC shows, in your Olympias and, and your big, you know, your big, big open shows, you know, th- there's 50 pounds body weight difference between a bodybuilder and a classic bodybuilder. You know, if you look at, you know, your average five foot eight guy is competing at around 77, 78 kilos in this country at the moment. And that's kind of backed by the data that we're getting. You know, your average 5'8 guy is in the mid to late 70s, you know, pushing up to 80. So that would suggest that to need a classic bodybuilding class, we're going to have 5'8 guys competing at about 10 stone. Um, And we don't, you know, we we don't, we don't have that body weight differential. We don't need, we don't have that need to separate bodybuilding from classic bodybuilding like like the untested sport does in our view yeah but if if we go if we go this season if we go a couple of seasons and notice that there is a need for it then then we'll think about it in the future but for now we want to stick to the same disciplines or the equivalent disciplines to the one we've got keep breeding the same quality of athletes keep supporting you know we're just as passionate about the, the, the man or woman who comes eighth, ninth, tenth in a novice division in an early season show, we're just as passionate about that person as we are about the person who, you know, we, we jump on a plane back from wherever we've gone through with, with a gold medal in a major international contest. We care about everybody just the same and we just want to keep the, uh, the, the structure as consistent as possible for people in the meantime, so that nobody's really guessing. The UK FBA recently introduced junior bikini and junior men's physique. Will these classes be staying or will they be going and everyone that was doing that class be going into open? Um, I don't believe that 2020 was the year to accurately test whether those classes worked or not. Um, so the, the answer is simply this season, they'll be staying. Absolutely. Okay. Trialed them last year um, to see if they worked. 
and then the whole world ground to a halt and three quarters of the people that were going to compete in a bodybuilding contest didn't compete in one and and the biggest hit if again it's all data backed it's all you know it's all there in the numbers the biggest hit that we got in terms of numbers last year was in physique and bikini competitors bodybuilding numbers weren't really affected but the numbers in physique and bikini were, were generally lower and i think that showed in the fact that you know both of the junior bikini divisions we had last year had a single single athlete enter them mm. um the the junior novice physique was five strong the junior open physique was three strong but then last year everything suffered if we run those classes again this year and we're getting one two three people enter them all of whom would hold their own in the open then we won't run them again uh, we, we will own, only run classes where there is an absolute need, you know, an absolute demand to run it. And it's a benefit for somebody. Yeah. From an athlete perspective, I know myself, I've definitely always been very motivated by the journey and the ladder of shows that you could potentially run with the UKFBA. I always loved the idea of doing a qualifier, trying to win the British and trying to get to Worlds. You know, that was always something that I always looked upon as, as, a, as a pathway for me. So you mentioned European shows, you mentioned the Olympia. What pathways do we now have as a result of, of the affiliation and what, what can it look like for the athletes now? It, it looks better and deeper than it's ever looked before. I mean, like I say, things in the UK haven't changed. Um, the contest structure in the UK is still what it is. Um, there is a European championship every year and you've competed in it. And, and I'll throw this back at you. How was that contest? Brilliant especially considering the circumstances, like we went the weekend before Italy went into a full lockdown. So, you know, travel was, was harder than it will be normally in normal sure. times. But when we got to the show, you know, fantastic. Treated really well. The backstage environment was probably some of the best I've ever had in terms of the separation of classes and people pulling you in at the right time and knowing exactly where you needed to be. The stage was brilliant. The venue was really nice. The tan was out of this world um and yeah i mean just everything was, was super smooth um from the point of arriving to the point of of you know winning the show so yeah it was very very good and that was and that was on a year where probably 50 percent of the countries in europe that support these events weren't even able to go there yeah um you know we had you 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 won a division where there were there were athletes there was yourself for the uk there was spain france germany slovakia and, and Italy, yeah. you know, a number of countries, athletes, all in the same class, very international flavour, um, some real some real hard battles on that stage. You ended up in the overall being dropped in next to the tall class winner, who was Eric Toth from Slovakia, who's got an incredible contest history. Um, he's a guy that actually got pro status and decided to give it up because he prefers to compete as an amateur. Um, and, and that's something, again... You know what's wrong with that? You know now there are this this network of shows. Not everybody wants to get on a plane and travel eight ten hours to to the states to compete. You know we we were two hours door to door. You know London to Pisa, um, easy flight, no jet lag, relatively inexpensive, but still a great international competition experience. And, and I was I think I was saying, I think it might have been yours, saying it to on the phone uh, a while ago when we were planning the podcast. Um, you know, if you look back, a great friend of mine who, you know, I hope people still remember and still hold in high regard, Mike Williams, who, who I worked with years ago when I was an official in the NPA. You know, Mike was a five-time European champion and a five-time world champion. Absolute legend absolute elite he'd go to those contests and people would know who he was straight away because he was the man you know when was the last time we had a five-time amateur european champion when was the last time we had somebody who won multiple world titles um it hasn't happened because it just seems that people are sort of rushed through into the pro ranks as quick as possible and yeah. you know it doesn't need to be that way you know we're um I even said to you, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll chuckle about this now. We were at the airport coming home, weren't we? And and you said, you know, you know, amazing. You know, this has been a great weekend. I've got a pro card. I said, well, don't forget the European title that came with it. <laughs> yeah, 
that 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 was the big win that weekend, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're the you are the reigning European champion. You know, I want to have a bunch of people who are you know double, triple world European champions, and that journey can start this year. Um, you know, yes, we will go to the stage. Yes, we will have people that go through to the pro ranks, but you know, we're, you know, let's let's take full advantage of the richness of the sport. They've got the um, the European Elite Tour. You know, as an amateur athlete, you compete across the events in Europe and sort of build up league points over the year with some ridiculous prizes at the end of the year. You know, for amateur athletes, and 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 the best, you know, the biggest bonus is. As an amateur athlete, you know, you, you come through our shows and consistently qualify to be part of the team. And I'm still sponsoring you to go to those shows. You know, you, you're not paying for it out of your own pocket. Yeah. So uh, the, the options are endless. The people that want to take that direction can take that direction. People that prefer to take the, the direction of staying amateur can stay amateur. And there's just... There, there are more there are more contests within within reach of us to do to do different things um and that's not to say that where we were before was bad it wasn't we spent 10 years there um you know we've come back with some big titles we've had some big champions in the sport we've won pretty much all of the titles that there were to win and you know i've i've left our affiliation with the wmbf with some very very happy memories but it is time. It's time for a new challenge. It's time to, to 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 approach a new horizon. We've, you know, again, I go on about the, you know, multiple European world titles, but we, we haven't had a, a pro natural Olympia champion come back to this country from from the states before. That's one medal that's never got on a plane with us, and you know, may, maybe now it's time. Maybe now it's time to add that one as well. You know, somebody's got to be the first. And um, it's just, it's a new challenge. It's a new horizon. Yeah. Fantastic. So for, for professional bodybuilding in the UK, what's that going to look like? Obviously we had the, the pro international uh, for WMBF athletes at the, the, the UK DFBA finals. That was mm-hmm. a show that, that we'd ran for, for, for multiple years. What, what's it going to look like? Obviously, obviously we haven't got, you know, apart from, the potential switch for current WMBF pros, like what's, how is that going to happen? How's that going to take place? You know, for example, someone like Ben Howard, is he now going to switch to having a PNBA pro card and compete as a PNBA pro? And then are you going to then have a UK pro finals uh, within this year or within next year? Like what's that kind of look like for, for professionals in the UK? Pro status, and, and, and it's, it, it's a semi-provocative question without meaning to be one. Um, one of the things that has attracted me towards the, the, the affiliation with the IMBA, PMBA Global is that pro status is recognised uniformly. Um, I'm going to be honest, one of the most embarrassing things I've ever had to do as a show promoter in 25 years of promoting bodybuilding shows uh, one of the most embarrassing things I've ever had to do was to force Andrew Chappelle and Steph Noble to compete as amateurs a couple of years ago. Yeah. Their pro status wasn't recognised. Um, I, I, it, it's shameful. They're top-level pro athletes. They shouldn't be forced to prove that they were pro athletes. Um, we, we don't have that issue anymore. Um, so anybody who holds a, a reputable recognized natural pro status is welcome to take up PMBA pro membership. Um, a, a number of people have already said that they're going to do that. It doesn't mean that they're switching or moving sides or it's not a, an us versus them thing. It's nothing to do with that. It's about giving opportunities. There's a massive network of pros in Europe already. We've got a lot of people over in the States who, who really want to come over and compete in the UK which is something we've never really, really had that much of before. We've had one or two, but yeah. you know, a, a dozen emails from countries like UK, um, the US, Australia, South Africa, this week alone with people wanting to compete with us. So the Pro International still exists. Um, we will be adding new classes this year. 
Um, there will be more classes in the Pro International. Uh, the prize money will be there to, to support the athletes and any bona fide pro bodybuilder who wishes to join the PMBA and come and take part in that show can take part in it. I expect it to be just as big, if not bigger than any, any pro show we've ever had. Fantastic. That should be uh, something to definitely look forward to for sure. We've got listener questions. Is there anything you particularly wanted to cover that you felt that we haven't covered already within this sort of first half an hour that you want to particularly go into Lee? Um, two, two things very quickly. Um, okay. One thing that I want to make abundantly clear about the switch of affiliations, our drug testing program will be as rigorous, if not more rigorous than it has ever been before. We now operate off the wider ban list. The way that plays out and the way that it applies to you will all be in the rules when I put them on the website. And it is really important that you read them. Um, but the wider ban list is more extensive and it is more prohibitive than anything we've worked from before. Uh, the, the, the urine testing that we perform will be wider accredited. Um, we will still continue the same drug testing methods. We have all, always continued. We have the autonomy to do that. So we'll still be using lie detector technology in our shows in the UK. We will still be doing everything that we, uh, we, we, we need to do to keep the, uh, the sport as clean as possible. And I know that somebody's going to ask, you know, is the testing going to be different or whatever? So that's that question answered. We're actually going to employ out-of-season testing more than ever. It has been done in the past, but not to the degree I wanted it to. We're now going to be doing more out-of-season testing as well. Um, that could look like a number of things. It could look like the low-hanging fruit, sort of cheap out-of-season testing where you get pulled out of your seat when you're watching the show as a spectator. You know, um, it could be that on one of the many road trips I'll take on the weekends that I come and knock on your front door and ask for a urine sample. It could be that if you're you know, a gym owner or a PT, I decide to take a workout in the gym that you work at while I'm on my travels with work or pleasure or whatever and bring a urine testing kit with me. But there will be an increase in out-of-season drug testing. So that was one thing I wanted to just cover, get it out all out there. You know, drug testing remains an absolute priority with us. We do not want cheats in this sport. I have never in 25 years allowed somebody to compete in a drug-tested bodybuilding show who I know or believe to be cheating. And there is absolutely no way on earth I would ever buy a plane ticket or write a check to take anybody overseas to compete for our association and represent our country and our flag who I had one iota of doubt about being completely clean as a whistle that will not change regardless um the other big thing is um the opportunity that we've got to to host some of those big international events um i know a number of people like i say you know uh, from the us australia south africa and beyond they want to come to the uk and compete and that only that only happens in, in one guys. You know, within the next few years, we will be looking to host the IMBA PNBA World Championships here in the UK. Um, it's been a lifelong dream of mine as a promoter, and 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 I will do it. It will finally happen. We will host the worlds in the UK, and it will be like something you've never seen before in this country. So it's really exciting, a really exciting time, and the opportunities have just blown wide open for us. That's that's pretty much my piece. That's my campaign, and uh, I'll field any questions that you've got left now, mate. All right, fantastic. So we have a question about how you would qualify for Vegas. So for those that didn't know, obviously in the past, you'd win your class at uh, the, the UK finals and then you qualify for worlds in most cases in some cases it's slightly different but for the most part you'd have to win your class so well, how does it look now yeah and and that doesn't change okay. that doesn't change but what everybody needs to remember is the natural olympia is not the only international show that we'll be supporting yeah yeah yes i know people want to go to the olympia and i know people like to go to the states but our first stop after the UK Championships is the Worlds in Bucharest in Romania, uh, an absolutely stunning country that I can't wait to visit. 
uh, Adrian, who's the, uh, the the IMBA president over there, is already desperate to get us over there competing in his show. He can't wait to meet us. So a good crop of our athletes will be going first and foremost to the to the worlds in Bucharest. Um, the Olympia is a couple of weeks after that. Some of the athletes that go to Bucharest will go on to the Olympia. Some of the existing pros will go straight to the Olympia. Um, you know, once you're a professional, the world's your oyster. You can do as you please, but remember, you are doing it off your own dollar. Um, but yeah, we the, the qualification process remains the same. Performing at a very high level in the UK is the bare minimum requirement. You also have to conduct yourself very well, and I've said this before. You know, if you if you're coming on stage and not hitting the correct poses, then I'm not going to spend a ton of money take you to an international contest and have you hit the wrong poses there um you know if you've got a foul attitude backstage then i don't want to live with you for three days you know if <laughs> if you refuse to help people who who need a little bit of help then you're not going to be a great fit on on a team um so yeah a, a high level of performance in competition is the main thing that will get you an invite to an international show but if you're an absolute dick that doesn't give two hoots about the sport, then even winning your class might not get you there, if I'm honest. Um, team representation is about representing us as an organisation, as a country, and, and, and one person's behaviour reflects on the entire team, doesn't it, as you, as you well know. Yeah. How many pro cards will be awarded this year um, in the UK? No, no more or no less than already have been. Okay. Um, this, the UK DFBA will never be an exercise in dishing out serial box pro cards. Um, now there is even less excuse than ever to do that because there are more opportunities to compete as an amateur. Um, truly exceptional athletes will be offered pro status as they always are. But there has never been there has absolutely never been a hard and fast rule that if you win overall men's bodybuilding at our UK championships, then you are automatically a professional. It just so happens that every overall winner has been offered pro status. But, um, you know, last year would have been a perfect, exa perfect example of this because if it hadn't have been for the unbelievable quality of the guy that took the overall, then we probably wouldn't have offered a pro card last year simply because the, the, the standard was, it was high. It was as high as ever, but people hadn't had to come through the same process to get there. And, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's the wrong way to think about it, but it, it was literally a last minute decision. You know, we knew the guy had won the overall and, and Oaksy and I had a conversation with each other. Do we offer him to turn pro or do we not? We decide, yeah, we do. Um, you know, I say, Throwing pro cards at people is not is not what the sport's about. You know, uh, developing a pedigree of, of of a good competition track record is what we're going for now. Awesome. They'll still be pro status. They'll yeah. still be turning pro. They'll still be pro contests. Yeah. It, it'll be yeah. You know, there will be other options for people to consider you would probably find that some people will say, well, I know I can turn pro if I want to, but like Eric Toff, who we were talking about earlier, but I'm having a lot of fun where I am. So I'll stay here for a while and I'll do the pro thing later on. All right, cool. In terms of the differences between the IMBA, PNBA and the WMBF, is there any clear differences in terms of what the competitions are like? or the way that things operate. Um, obviously, I think what they mean by that is, I don't think they mean classes. I think they mean just the, the competition itself. So maybe it's someone that's been to a WNBF show. Um, what, what's the difference between going to a PNB, a PNB IMB show and, and a WNBF show? Um, I've never been to an IMBA global event in the States yet, uh, but I yeah. have been to one in Europe. And, and I was very impressed by it. I was very impressed. Um, a bodybuilding contest is a bodybuilding contest. 
you will register to compete, you will arrive, you will prepare backstage, you will go on stage, you will perform, you will be awarded in accordance with your performance, and then we'll all go and eat and drink and be merry afterwards. That's what a bodybuilding contest is all about. Um, the, the options that are being offered to us now are in some stunning locations, in some lovely places, being run by some very experienced promoters, the one that we've had the taste of already, like you said, even against the background of the circumstances we had with COVID and lockdown and so things being so uncertain and mm. to get COVID test results before we went and wearing a face mask everywhere we went. There was a lot of stuff we did in Italy last year that, that would have added a huge amount of stress to the average bodybuilding trip. Yet we had a fantastic time. And that, that kind of tells me that when times come back to normal, that we'll have an even better time. And th th there's absolutely no way, going back to the, the sort of statement I made at the beginning, in the 10 years that we've been running, I've, I've never made a decision. And not all my decisions. We have, you know, we have a committee. We have a, an operating core of members who, who make decisions jointly. But We've never made a decision in the last 10 years that's hurt our members and we're certainly not starting now. Awesome. One of the other topics that people brought up often in the questions, I think they just might be searching for a little bit of clarity with regards to the WMBF itself. They seem to want to know whether there's any issues with the WMBF that they as competitors need to be made aware of. So for example... Maybe they're looking at this split from the outside looking in and they're thinking there must be something wrong if we're coming away or there must be something that as competitors they might need to know about. So I think maybe it's worth just clearing that up a little bit and giving people clarity as to, as to why you know they can still choose to compete there if they wish. But you're, you're, you know, I just think you need your call on that one. It's a difficult one because it's, you know, everybody wants a bit of scandal. Everybody wants a bit of gossip, don't they? And, you know, lines get drawn in the sand and fences get put up and people hate people because they have a different logo on their jacket. And that's not what we're about. And it's never been what we're about. Like I said at the beginning, if our working relationship with the WMBF was perfect, then we wouldn't have left. Um, if... I didn't believe that the move of affiliations would be better for our members, then, then we wouldn't have made it. Um, in terms of any sort of more background behind intricate reasons, disputes that may or may not have happened, anything like that, my, my stance on the matter and the stance of the organisation is that we will remain respectful. We'll just say, it was a business decision for us to go somewhere where we thought that we had better opportunities. Um, and as long as both sides remain respectful, then those reasons will probably never be heard. Brilliant. Yeah. I think that's a smart way to sort of cover that question. So Absolutely. if, if people at their own discretion wanted to compete with the IMBF or WMBF, they still could, you know, if they wanted to, couldn't they? Uh, if, from abroad obviously mostly like most of the people in the uk won't because there's no opportunities but do you, do you get what i mean like some of these questions were from people that live in the states etc sure i i have never once in my life told somebody that they could or couldn't do a bodybuilding contest um it's ridiculous it's yep. childish it's pure oil uh, i don't believe in it i don't believe that athletes should be told what they can and can't do um, I don't discriminate against people who compete elsewhere. Um, I've got no time for it. We, we, we all have different things to offer and we <clears throat> that want to come to us. Um, I don't want to encourage anybody to do anything else because quite frankly, if I, you know, if I owned a Burger King franchise, I wouldn't tell people to go and eat at McDonald's. I want them to come and eat at Burger King. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I want people to come and compete with us. And, of course. Uh, people to have trust in our decision if people want to compete elsewhere then that's not a problem in the slightest and it never has been mm. but like i say our reasons for changing our affiliate our affiliation was so that we could carry on operating the exact same way we've always operated benefiting our members the exact same way yet offer them a few more opportunities and there's no 
there'll be no trash talk, there'll be no bad mouthing, uh, and there'll be no sort of expanding on any any potential issues there may have been, unless it's in the in the name of defending something that's said about me that isn't true. Awesome, very professional as as per. I think one one thing also I wanted to cover is um we have obviously got the setup for this year based on the COVID situation and the fact we've had to shift shows towards the back end of the season. We've had this conversation before. We had the conversation about last year and the way that the shows ended up working out. And we had the conversation about qualifiers. I'm sure you're still, you know, that's still going through your head. In terms of years where we get, you know, minimal COVID interruption and zero pandemics, are we still going to potentially look to run qualifiers throughout the year from, you know, the beginning of the, the bodyboarding season across different regions? Or are you potentially looking towards the idea of, of still maybe backing shows up towards the end of the season, doing less total shows? That's a really good question. And it's something I, I said something a minute ago. And you know, sometimes you say something and think that kind of came out a little bit wrong. And it was about, um, the decision of whether to offer somebody a pro card or not at last year's finals. Right. So, you know, one of the factors was that they hadn't gone through the same process as having a qualifier than a final. And to be honest with you, that's not, that's just not true. The overriding factor with this year was the fact that gyms have been closed. People have been training with, you know, concrete filled beer barrels in their gardens. Yeah. Some people had been ill, they'd had COVID and come through it, recovered and competed. You know, some people's finances have been affected and that could have affected some of the things they normally put into their prep. Um, so the decision as to whether or not to award the pro status last year was down to whether or not people would be as good as they normally are. Because we have a standard. We have a standard where you have to be this good to be considered to be a professional not just you have to win the UK championships. Um, so I kind of retract what I said about the qualifier process. I think in terms of contests going forwards, leading on from that, is that we'll do what's best for the members. Um, and, and the IMBA, PMBA, Global have got a very interesting setup in that the World Championships is normally in June every year. The Europeans is in October immediately before the World Cup and the Olympia. So in future, to fit in with that, that sort of Grand Prix tour of contests, it might be necessary to have a big contest, a big team selection contest earlier in the year. Because if, you know, your Worlds is in June, then doing a selection contest in May might be the best thing. Mm, yeah, yeah, have yeah. another one in October time ready for the other contests. Sure. It could be that we follow the qualifier protocol, have the finals in October, just hit the October contests, but say that those team members are also eligible for the following year's Worlds in the June. You know, we don't know. We'll see how it plays out. But I'm more than ever, and last year was a big, big eye-opener for me. And, and I'm going to sort of move slightly but quickly off-tangent from just bodybuilding and you know, if there's if there's a single person watching this podcast when it goes live who sees the world in the same way now as they did 12 months ago, then I would love to know where you've been hiding. Because we've all found a new appreciation for the things that really matter in life, the time that we spend with family, friends and loved ones that we haven't been able to do, the times that we spend socially, travelling to go on holiday, our health, our finances. Good Lord. I mean, there was a point last year where we couldn't even buy toilet paper. <laughs> Am I wrong? No, mate, you're right. You so, right. so maybe that whole trail of starting your diet January, February time to hit a contest, spring, summer, autumn time, carry on through to October, then do another five weeks for the world. And before you know it, you've dieted for 40 weeks. Maybe oh maybe, years out of the way. Maybe it's days are numbered. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's time to, to sort of admit. And I had this conversation with uh, with Sam Watt uh, back in 2016. We were walking down. Here's a, here's, here's a name drop for you. I was talking to Sam Watt, world champion, sporting legend, 
and we're uh, we're walking down the boardwalk at Venice Beach in California, you know, as you do on on a random Sunday afternoon, and it was the first year that we'd had qualifying contests, and I said to Sam, uh, we were talking about you know shows and the like, and, and Sam said, so what do you think about what you've done this year, having qualifiers in the final versus other years where you've had just open shows, Final, yeah. just open shows, but we've had an open show. And, and, and I made a fairly sort of succinct point to him that it's not made a huge amount of difference. It's, you know, you still would. You were going to, you know, if you were the best guy that year, you were going to win anyway. Nobody knows until the day of the finals who's going to win, obviously, but the best person is going to win whether it's, you know, male, female, masters, juniors, open division, whatever discipline, the best person is going to win. Whether that person had to compete in a qualifier to get there or whether that person just went there and competed on an open entry basis, the best person still wins. So, you know, you know it's a difficult question to answer. We, we have to settle into the structure of how the international contests work. If we have open shows again open team selection events do we need to have other events that are more novice level based as well to give that broad spectrum of sort of competition to everybody you know a big heartbreaker for me this year is that we can't run the novice show uh, the novice uk championships the novice classic uh, because we just can't fit enough shows into the calendar and that's my favorite show of the year in many respects because you remember that 75% of people that we were talking about at the start of the podcast? Yep. You know, the, the grassroots level people, the people who the sport's new and exciting and even more special to, you know, they're the people that we love to serve the most. So to not be able to give them the contest that was their little home and their, their sort of their big goal for the year, that's, that's a bit of a crippler for me next year. So, you know, this year, sorry. And, you know, so those opportunities have got to come back at some point because it means a lot to people. Um, you, you know, it's it, it's one of those, you know, ask me again in a year's time and I'll probably answer the question a little more clearly, maybe a little bit differently. All right, cool. So I think we've covered pretty much most of the, the topics on the questions. Good. Covered a lot of what I wanted to cover in terms of a greater understanding for the listeners, because I now understand it even more myself. So I think listeners will understand it equally as well. Again, so I know I've already suggested it, but is there anything else in particular that, that you feel like people need to know or um, yeah, essentially just, is there anything else that people need to know about this mate? <laughs> in, in my opinion, absolutely nothing whatsoever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What we've if you like what we have been doing for the last 10 years, then then carry on enjoying it. Um if you haven't liked what we've been doing for the last 10 years, then the conversation doesn't why are you listening to the podcast? <laughs> you know, a, a very wise man uh once told me, and, and it'll be in my memoirs when I eventually publish them. Uh, I'm going to quote this guy because he's a dear friend of mine who promotes bodybuilding in a country outside the UK. Um, and he was having a few problems with his contest one year and I was talking to him about it. And, and I, you know, I said, you know, if you thought, you know, a lot of people dropped out of his contest and a lot of people were saying they didn't want to enter it and stuff. And I said, you know, are you going to, are you thinking about canceling the show? And he said to me, no. Do you know why? And I said, why? He said, because I run this contest for the people who want to compete in it, not for the people who don't. And uh, my view on the world was changed. Some people have an impact on you, don't they? Oh yeah. And, and, you know, I, I became a little bit more mature that day. And, and like I say, we've, we've spent 10 years, countless hours, thousands of miles on the road, you know, I tied it up. I've been, I'm not going to lie. I've been doing a lot of soul searching, a lot of thinking about what's right for me personally, about what's right for my other officials, about what's right for my athletes, about what's right for the association. You know, it's been a very quiet, very dark and very cold five months for us to think about all these things. You know, we, we add up all of the hours we put into it, all the miles we've done on the road. Um, 
you know, close to, in the last 10 years, close to £120,000 has been spent on funding athletes to go to, to shows overseas. Um, about 10% of that, you know, so about £12,000 in the last five years alone donated to charities. Um, none of it has been at the expense of the athletes who haven't had the chance to go overseas. You know, we... we we do an awful lot of people for the people we serve and we do it out of passion and it has to be fun for us. It has to be something that we, we're enthusiastic about doing. It has to be a labour of love for us. We don't get paid for doing this. This is, this is something we do because we want to do it and we have to want to do what we're doing and believe in what we're doing. Um, you wouldn't be able to do what we do if you didn't believe in what you were doing 100% trust me um, and anybody that doesn't believe me can try and walk a mile in those shoes because you know if you you want to work two three hundred hours every year travel six thousand miles and give away twenty thousand um, pounds and not take a of it for yourself then you know you're a special kind of mad person just like me and, and I applaud you but to do that you've got to enjoy it haven't you oh yeah yeah, 100%, mate. You've got to get something out of this. And if it's just a little smile at the end of the season, then that'll do for me. And uh, and unfortunately, for the last couple of years, I wasn't smiling as much as I used to. And uh, and it was time for me to be happy and passionate and driven again. Um, last year was a very easy year for me to be passionate and driven because I made a promise to our members that they would have a stage to stand on. And you did it on that promise as best I could with a little bit of luck, you know, because lockdowns got timed as they did and stuff like that. You know, there was a little bit of luck involved, but there was, you know, there, there were times when I didn't sleep for two days to put that show together last year. And I did that because I'm passionate about serving our members as best we can. Um, and to have the energy to continue doing that as much as I do it and as much as the officials that work with me do it, we, we had to find a way to start enjoying this more again. And, and, and we, we found it and we're, we're about to set off down a, a new path that's going to bring us lots of new adventures. We're going to make lots of new memories. We're going to have some fantastic times. And, uh, and we're going to add those to the great memories that we've already got. And it's just going to, you know, when, when the time comes, when the curtain falls for the very last time, uh, we'll be able to look back and say, you know, we, we enjoyed that. It was, it was all for something. Awesome. Yeah, mate, I think that's been fantastic. And yeah, it's just, yeah, really, really cool to hear those words because I know how passionate you are about it. Um, yeah. It puts me back a little bit, hence why I don't really know what to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, for, for anyone listening, like, you know, from, from me personally, I know a lot of people listen to this podcast for me and, and, and they know me well, but I've never met someone so passionate about the sport. So you can be you can be rest assured that, that whatever decision Lee is making is, is for you guys. If you're a competitor and you're listening to this, this decision is, is, is a positive move and, it, and it's for you. You know, it's, it's to make your journey better. It's nothing to do um, with, with Lee. It's, it, it, is, it, it is part of you guys first. He always does that. Um, so you can be very, very confident about that for sure. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a, this is a great sort of place to to sort of potentially leave the podcast and, and let people ask their questions if they wish below. Um, if they've got any preceding questions or or topics that they they wish us to bring up again, obviously we can we can hook up, hook up again and do another one. Um, but equally, we can answer them. Uh, Lee can get to them in the comments in the comments below. Um, and uh, other than that, just. You know, if you're, if you're prepping this year, you've got lots of things to look forward to. And then future years equally as well. Super exciting times coming up for competitors. And, um, you know, I think this, this, this comes from, from Lee especially, but, but both of us, you know, it's massively support, massively appreciate the support that, that you give these, these podcasts that we do together. Um, and equally the, the Federation itself moving into the future and, and moving into this next step. Could have said it better myself. Um, to anybody who's got any questions that aren't burning a hole in their pocket, the new rules and regulations will be in black and white on the website in as clear wording as I can make it. 
I'll by, attach them below as well. By the 12th of April. Um, and, uh, and by the time registration opens, you should be able to re- read through those rules and guidelines. You will know everything that you need to know as long as you put the effort into read those rules. And they're not going to be any more complicated than they already are. Um, they're just going to be a little bit different. And we, uh, we look forward to seeing everybody throughout the season. We look forward to seeing everybody when they have a chance to train in the gym for a few months. We look forward to seeing everybody when they're not so terrified of this pandemic anymore because, you know, people are being vaccinated and, you know, the rates are going down and people are healthier and happier. I want to see people come to bodybuilding shows and hug each other. Yeah, yeah. I see people come to the shows and, you know, guys backstage, guys and girls backstage helping each other pump up because they don't have to be two metres away from each other. I want people to walk on stage without a face mask on, you know. Uh, I want us to be back to normal and I want us to really, really carry on enjoying what we love doing. Um, 30 years for me this year since I first lifted the weight. 26 years since I promoted my first bodybuilding contest. Uh, which is bizarre. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was still competing at the time. And uh, and it has been a really rich and beautiful 30 years. And uh, and, and I want it to be 40. I want it to be 50 years. And, and one day I want somebody else to be sitting on the other end of a podcast talking about how much they've enjoyed their 30 years so far <laughs> and how much they're excited about bringing World Championship bodybuilding to the UK. Um, and, uh, and, and I'm looking forward to those who want to be part of it, being part of it and sharing my amazing journey with you. Fantastic. All right, guys, we'll, um, we'll, we'll leave it there. And as always, we'll catch up soon. Thanks very much for listening. And uh, yeah, thanks again, Lee, for your time. We really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for making everything clear for us. And uh, we will, we will speak in the next episode. Cheers guys. Thanks for having you on.